Hey guys, it's Todd from Cryptid Creatures. Have you ever thought about making your own podcast? If so, you got to use Anchor. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. The cool thing about Anchor is it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money on your podcast. The more people that listen, the more money you can make. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Todd. And I'm Brian. Brian, what's, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot, man. We are pumped this episode. We have our week. first guest on the show. Yeah, I'm excited. We have Adam on the show. Adam, welcome to the show, man. Hey, boys. How are things going today? It's going great. How great. are you? Oh, I'm doing great. We got great weather and uh, getting ready to get into some uh, good conversation with you guys. Right on. We're excited, right on. man. We are so excited to have you on the show. We appreciate you coming on. No, yeah. no problem. My pleasure. Adam, uh, I know you a little bit through work, and um, Brian really doesn't know you at all, but the uh, reason we have you come on is I know that you've had an encounter um, back in the day, <laughs> so we wanted to talk about that. But um, tell us a little bit about your history, your background. Where, where do you come from? Where do you live? You're out in the Pacific Northwest, right? That's right. I'm over in eastern Oregon, kind of equal parts of uh, – Three little towns, Baker, Legrand, and Pendleton. Uh, kind of been all around uh, Eastern Oregon. My dad grew up a uh, timber worker, so uh, we just kind of moved around wherever the mills were open. Gotcha. So, um, growing up as a kid, did you ever believe or believe in Bigfoot or know Bigfoot or know anybody that said that they'd seen a Bigfoot? Well, we all talked about Bigfoot when we were up camping and stuff like that. And I went through the whole C- Cub Scout and Boy Scout thing, and you get a few stories up and around the fire. But uh, as far as, like, anybody's ever seen one, I didn't know anybody who had ever seen a Bigfoot at the time. Mm-hmm. So at the time, you were – how old were you when you had your encounter? I was 12. You were 12. Okay. Wow. Um, Young. So, yeah. Um before before that, though, you didn't really give much thought about it. You kind of thought like maybe everybody else did at 12 years old. You kind of heard, heard about it. Maybe you saw the Patterson film, and but you didn't really know <laughs> if it was real or not. I don't know. Where are you coming from on that? <laughs> well, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I was pretty fearless about the woods. I just was always like I'd get away, get up and walk away from the fire and I'd go stay in the tent. I didn't have any problems with that. It never even crossed my mind. Um and then uh, we ended up going on a camping trip. My sister's boyfriend at the time was a senior in high school. He took us up camping, and me and my best friend Tom uh, ended up going hiking. And that's when we had the encounter, and then it just got weird from there. Okay. So where, uh, where, where were you guys when you had this encounter? Tell us what kind of uh, part of the state you were in. So it was right after school was out. So we're talking June and we were up at Anthony Lakes, which is a ski resort over on the east side of the state in Oregon. Okay. I've heard of that. I I think I know where that's at. Brian, have you heard of Anthony Lake before? No. Um, What kind of mountain range is that close? Is it close to a mountain range, Adam? Yeah, it's, it's up in the Elkhorn Mountains. And they're like uh, pretty Uh jagged, kind of Alps-looking peaks. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of alpine back, uh, backwood skiing type stuff. Helicopter skiing is big up there. Um, So it's pretty big country, uh, but they have a really, really good hiking system up there for trails and a bunch of high lakes for fishing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, uh, you said elk something. You said you had mentioned to me the other day on the phone we were talking about doing this episode, and you'd said you'd seen a no a moose. You were traveling, saw a moose somewhere. Where were you? Where did you see a moose at? Yeah, we uh, last weekend we took a a huge trip. We put like twenty two hundred miles on in back roads of Idaho, Montana, um, Washington, oh. and uh, we were just kind of all we were just looking for a moose. That was the whole thing. Is I was. I was destined to see a moose in the wild. I had been to Glacier, Yellowstone, and Teton in my life, and I've yet to see a moose in the wild. So <laughs> we were going to find a moose, and we took off. And 
We, yeah, they're, uh, so we headed up through um, the middle, of the, the east side of Washington, across the middle of Idaho, and then came in the bottom of Montana. No moose. The next day we get up, we drive down to see how far we can get into Yellowstone because it's not open yet. And luckily they had one loop open that was uh, about a 50-mile drive you can take, and then you have to turn around and come back. So we were on our way back. We'd already seen all the buffalo and all the elk and wolves and coyotes and all the stuff that you see there. And there was a bunch of cars on this corner. And I slowed down for a second. I asked my wife, I was like, what are they looking at? And she goes, it's a moose. And I just locked them up and like just pulled in right there. And uh, you're not supposed to get out of the car. So I don't condone that. But I did get out of the car and went back and uh, checked out the moose and it was everything I'd hoped it to be. It was literally like a religious thing. I built this thing up, brought tears to my eyes. I'm not kidding. I I felt so (laughs) weird uh, about it, but like it was, it's been so long that that I've been trying to find this thing. Yeah. That'd be amazing. See it. See it. it. Go ahead, Brian. I just, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Seeing a seeing a creature that big just is awestruck. Got to be, you know, just awesome. Just strike you as you know that that way, just majestic, and be like, holy, you know, I've never seen a moose before. Brian, have you ever seen one before? <laughs> no, <laughs> not in the air. But you did spend some time in the East Coast, did you not? Or up in Maine, or something like that, Brian? No, no, oh, I was okay. on the, I was down in Jersey. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, I think moose on the highway is like the number one cause of death in Maine. It probably is. Yeah, that and bad clam I chowder. You, I, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that if you uh, bathe in bear pee, is how you stay safe. Is how you so want. they won't come around you. <laughs> okay. So I mean, I mean, other than you we'll have to uh, smell like bear pee. So yeah. let's start. Let's start talking about your your encounter, Adam. Um, Brian, before we get going here, you have any questions? Questions for Adam? About about uh, this one? No, not yet. Okay, I'm just excited to hear it. Yeah, and we may interject if if you don't mind from here and there, but um, maybe start off and say, okay, you know what what was going on leading up to it, and you know what happened, you know before everything. Give us give us a preliminary kind of lead up to it, and then you know kind of kind of build up. Give us the climax, and then you know what happened afterwards. How how did you react? How did your how did your life how was your life affected afterwards? And just kind of yeah, just kind of tell us how you want to tell us a story. Okay, well, you know, I mean, obviously we're talking uh, 1988, um, summer of 88. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, finding Bigfoot shows or anything like that. That didn't really exist. You know, there was a couple Bigfoot books that you could check out in the library at school, but it wasn't anything like uh, we see now. Um, So we decided that we're going camping, the three of us. Me, Tom, and Mike. Uh, Mike is my sister's boyfriend. Tom's his little brother and my best friend growing up. Um, So we all jump in his uh, old AMC Eagle, which was like a kind of a Jeep Cherokee (laughs) slash, uh, you know, um, station Uh, wagon combo. Was it red? No, it was white with a wood panel on the side. Awesome. Yeah. Even so better. we head up there and we get our camping spot and we put our stuff together and, you know, make a pretty good thing. Mike has his tent. Me and Tom have our own tent. We make a fire, get everything all ready to go and uh, stay the first night. First night's good to go. We make, you know, hot dogs and s'mores and just live it up like, uh, you know, like three guys that are away from uh, grownups. So um, now except for we- Mike was the grownup. Were you in a campground, or did you guys? Were you, how were you camping? Were you just like freestyle camping, kind of out in the wilderness, or what? The first night, we're just in a. I mean, we're just in a campground. Okay. So, uh, so we get up the next day, and Mike had to work. He worked at uh, Pietro's Pizza, which is kind of a Pacific Northwest pizza chain. Mm-hmm. So he had to work at Pietro's. So he said he was going to run down the mountain, and it's about I don't know. 25, 30 minutes from Anthony Lakes back to Baker. So, and then he was, after he got off work, he was going to come back up. And that's where you lived at the time. Right. Baker. So, 
so we uh, it's Baker City now, but it was it was just Baker at the time. They added City when mm-hmm. they made it like an old West touristy trap place, mm-hmm. and then um, so we we decided we're going to go hiking while Mike goes to work. So we take off on this trail. We were heading up to Lost Lake, which was a um, trail that their family had been on a bunch of times. They go up there a couple times a year to camp. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's not a super hard, I mean, we're talking, it's maybe six and a half mile hike with uh, 1,500 to maybe 2,000 foot elevation gain over that whole time. Very well groomed trail. Mm-hmm. So we brought a stupid little Daisy model 742 <laughs> pellet gun with us. I mean, just to, just to screw around with. I mean, yeah. not, you know, yeah. and so we had this thing and we're like, we're taking turns, like picking out stuff to shoot, like, Hey, see if you can hit that. And then whatever, like a flower or a squirrel or something, you know, it was a different time. So, you know, it was just a couple kids killing small animals. Sure. Um, so we're, we're walking along this trail. Everything is good. And then the weirdest thing, like we both stopped and I looked at him and I go, why'd you stop? And he's like, I feel like somebody's watching us. And I was like, me too. So we're kind of on guard. We keep walking up the trail. Everything's fine for a little bit. Kind of goes away. We get up toward the, um, the, I guess it would be like the granite line, you know, where you start to leave, uh, you're kind of a uh, scrub timber and you start to get up into the rocks. Okay. And we start getting up there. And same thing, we stop, both of us get like the hairs on the back of our necks up and can, can uh, you explain that? Is there any way you can explain that? I mean, I know what people say, like someone's watching you, but, but what was it that made you, I mean, you didn't see anybody, you didn't see anything. So, right. So we just like, so it's just imagine An like instinct. you're walking along and something, some force tells you to stop and look around. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you get like intuition or whatever, but it stops. And then all of a sudden you like, you kind of start looking around and your breathing kind of changes a little bit maybe. And you can, and you know, it shortens up and you start getting that kind of right. cold feeling on the back of your neck. Yeah. And, um, okay. so okay. we're sitting hair, there, you know, the hair stands up, the hair stands up, you get okay. the, the goose pimples on your forearm. Mm-hmm. And so we start scanning and both of us are like, we're sure that someone is following us. Like we're a hundred percent we're already starting to talk about it. Like, Hey, is someone back there? What's going on? Did you hear something? Did you hear at the time? that? What? Could you hear something at the time too? Or, you know, like very once in a while we would, we would hear something that sounded like maybe a footstep or like a twig breaking and stuff like that. But, you know, it, of course we're at this point, we're kind of on high alert because we just got freaked out like 20 minutes earlier with the same type deal. And then everything's back. So, we we decide that we're going to, like, there's a place where it has these switchbacks um, right below Hoffer Lake um, up there. There's some switchbacks. And so we decide that we're, like every other time we'd ever been there, we're just going to cut through, cut straight up. You know, there's a, in fact, there is a trail that people have, you know, if the people that are gung-ho that don't want to walk all the way around, you can just kind of, cut a bunch of the trail off by just taking the, you know, going straight up the hill. Mm-hmm. So we start going up the hill and we get to this place where like the granite overlaps more granite. And there's like a tucked in dark area, which um, you could call it like a cave with not a roof. I mean, so it's like, it, um, it's like a ledge, but if you were looking right at the mountain, you could hide behind it. You would, there's nothing there that would, tell you that anything was there it's completely blocked from the trail you have to walk up and look back down if you want to see behind those rocks if you're looking right at it it looks like a flat wall of granite basically so there's kind of a illusion there that that there's nothing Mm -hmm. and so we start walking around this thing and it stinks like it full-on just smells like a rotting animal Mm -hmm. and 
So then, you know, we're looking around for a rotted animal or something like that. How and bad was course, the smell on one to ten? I mean, was it severe? You know, it was like, like seven. Like, um, you know, just kind of like you're, you just kind of, it's a smell that makes you just kind of wrinkle up your nose and, and go, man, that, you know, yuck. You know, it kind of makes mm-hmm. your mouth water a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, it, it was unpleasant, but I mean, it was, it wasn't like uh rotted flesh or anything like that. Um, it, it was, I'd say semi pungent, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess if that's a word. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, so we're, we get there and we get to that spot and then the smell kind of adds to the whole mystique of the thing. And then we're really kind of, we, we start looking up on the hillside and right as we look up, there's like some scrub timber up top, like another, a layer of timber and clearly this thing walks between the two um a big step um and it was a one big large step in between a big set of trees and then it was gone out the other then it was gone into the woods on the other side me and tom both saw it we both acknowledged it and Without saying a word, we both looped around and headed straight down the mountain, like trucking down this mountain. Not talking about it, not going, what was that? It was instant, like (laughs) time to go. And I will tell you, I have watched all the Bigfoot shows that are out there now. um, And when they do the town hall meetings, when they go talk to all those people, the people that say all I wanted to do was get away from it. Those are the people I'm like, that was a person that had a real encounter. The people that are like, I thought I saw it go behind a tree. So I chased it. <laughs> that is not the feeling you get. Right. That is, <laughs> that is not, that's not how it works. You're we not going to follow this thing, huh? We both bailed and we get about, I don't know, maybe, a mile back down the trail and we kind of compose ourselves and decide that we're going to kind of talk about what just happened. And so we have the, we have a little powwow about what'd you see? What'd you see? And they're like, yeah, like, and we're like, that wasn't a person. Right. And they're like, no, we're like, that wasn't a bear. Right. So we get back to camp and Mike's not back from work yet. So, and it's starting to get dark. And so we are, he's 13, I'm 12. We're in full freakout mode. So we start putting logs on the fire because, you know, fire is going to keep whatever away. And we felt like whatever was out there followed us back. And so we had this fire that was just absolutely massive to keep everything away. And um, Mike doesn't show back up. Like, He's nowhere to be found. So we're in full freakout mode, and there is no, I mean, like there was two people in all of Eastern Oregon that had cell phones, and they carried them around in a bag, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was no cell phones. We're not calling for help or anything. So we decide that, like, we've done everything we can do, and, like, we've done the basically hold your eyelids open type deal. It's probably 1, 2 in the morning. And we decided that we got to go to bed. So, I mean, we got through all the wood on the fire. So it would be bright as can be. We went in, zipped up the tent like anything's going to be stopped by a nylon tent that wants to reach in and grab you, you know. Um, but at the time, it seemed like our only logical thing. So somehow we fall asleep. So we wake up and... Mike's there. Uh, he's in his tent and he had went and hung out with my sister um, and fell asleep at my parents' house and then realized that he basically forgot about us and he jumped <laughs> in his car and he'd gotten back to camp about three in the morning. And nice. so he goes, he's like, hey, what did you guys do with, why'd you guys make the fire like that? And we're like, what are you talking about? He's like, when I got here, your fire was completely spread out 
all over here. And I was wondering what the hell. Hmm? And so we start looking and the logs that we'd put on the fire were like 10 feet away from the fire pit. Like something had went through and kicked our fire to pieces to make it dark. Oh my gosh. It was insane. And so Adam, let's go, go before ahead. you go on, can you, can you tell us what, what did you, I mean, explain what you saw, what, what describe it? Was it, was so, it a Bigfoot? Was it, was it? So basically um, we're talking like, we're talking like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, backlit sun looking up the mountain. And it was a, a biped, as we like to say. <laughs> and uh, it didn't look like it had clothes on. It looked like it was a natural, you know, furred animal, but took one giant step like a person. Did you get a look at the face no. at all? No, because it was, it was back. The sun was at its back. Um, we're talking up the hill quite a ways. Like, I mean, not like, not like, you know, I'm not talking a thousand yards or anything, but I'm talking, it was up there probably, you know, 300 yards from us, but in, uh, far enough that, you know, that it wasn't right on us, but close enough that we didn't want to be around it. Mm -hmm. They say, um, up there in the Pacific Northwest that they get the Bigfoot get really big. Could you tell how big this one was? No, um, it's funny that you say that is because we've uh, we thought about going back up and like trying to figure out exactly like where things were as far as like you know like you see it in all the all the different shows you know they're like it was high as this branch and all this stuff and I don't right. think that you know I don't have that frame of reference especially now that we're talking you know uh, thirty three years later right. but um, but I. I will say that it felt larger than a person. Like there was, there was no doubt in either of our minds that it wasn't, um, it wasn't a person. Like we a hundred percent agreed on that. Here's another side note with this whole story is my buddy, Tom went in the Marines and then he took off and he went to the Persian Gulf and he did the desert shield and, and he did all of his stuff. He came back and we were in our early twenties by this time. I had told my friends here in Pendleton where I live now, um, that my buddy Tom was going to come visit. And he was the guy that I had had the Bigfoot sighting with. And and I tell them, they're like, oh, what Bigfoot? So I'm telling them the story, much like I'm telling you guys the story. Mm-hmm. And Tom gets there, and uh, he, uh, he lives in Washington, D.C. now, uh, works for Naval Records. He went into the Marines when uh, I went to college, and uh, I thought he was silly at the time, but now we're the same age, and he's already retired, so I was <laughs> obviously the silly one. But so he gets there. My buddy's like, hey, tell us about the Bigfoot story. So Tom tells him the Bigfoot story. And my buddy Justin goes, do you know why I believe this story? He goes, because I just heard this story from Adam like a week ago, and you just told it verbatim exactly the way that he told it. And there wasn't any like changes Mm -hmm. and you guys haven't talked about it in, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 years. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that just, that, that proves validity, you know, to to you guys' stories. And I'm sure if we got Tom on here, he would tell the story just as you, just as he did with you too. So, I mean, that's cool. Um, The weird thing is, is you said you, were you 300 yards? You think you were 300 yards away or were you closer than that? I was probably, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm just, I'm just guessing because things are, uh, you know, when you're especially, talking vertical feet yeah, and you're looking up the hill, yeah. you know, there's, you know, I, that's why I hate to like put a size on it. What, but, what made you, what was the key factor that immediately, immediately made you think that realize that this wasn't a person? What made me think it wasn't a person? The, just the way that it, like, as we looked up and kind of both of us realized that something was standing there the outline of the shape didn't look like a person at first. And so 
like both of us thought it was an animal of some kind. And then when it turned its body and took one big step across and it cleared so much area. I mean, even in, like, I'm just picturing it right now in my mind, how far like the, the step was, it just, it didn't make sense. It didn't move like any other person that I had seen or have seen since. Like even when I picture it back in my mind, it doesn't, people move a certain way and it didn't move like that. Right. So did it have like really long arms? It did. Uh, it was like, all you could, all we could make out was like one arm and it kind of looked like it kind of just like swung it behind itself as it started to go. Like it was just giving itself like a little, like a little, uh, push off Mm -hmm. to get itself gone. Um, so that was the, that was the only thing that I, you know, I felt that maybe there was a longer arm there, but, uh, you know, like I said, to this day, the way I can explain it is it was more a feeling and the way that it all played out, like the way it played out rather than like a, uh, like a, like a photograph. Like it's not, it's not, it's not like there's a definitive visual proof of this type deal. But when you start doing all the things that led up to it and where we were and the, what we saw at the time, it just fits so well. You know, it's just like deductive reasoning, basically. How long? Know, unfortunately, it, it sounds crazy that deductive reasoning led me to Bigfoot, <laughs> I guess. No, <laughs> now, that's... Now I'm saying it out loud. Oh, it doesn't right, right, stupid. Right place, right time. That's the only way it's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we had talked about that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long do you think this thing was, was following you or... or I think I think it is spotted it. us. I think it had spotted us down at like the, um, I'd say probably a mile and a half before. There's like a flat area mm-hmm. as you're walking along. It's a real gradual um, incline, and so and as you ascent, and then once we got up into the tighter tr- uh, trail and tighter trees, I think it kind of retreated back away from us mm-hmm. and what I think is when we stopped and we got off the trail and kind of moved a little bit, I think we changed its vantage point of where it was looking at us and okay. kind of turned the tides on it. Okay. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, now this is all hundred percent speculation on how it works, but I also think that there's, there's something to be said about, you know, they seem to reveal themselves or like almost have a, feeling of a safety factor type deal, like who they can reveal themselves to. So um, in my mind, the way that I kind of picture that I kind of explain it to people is you go out in the woods on during the summer on a normal weekend or something, and you see all kinds of deer running around. No problem. Mm-hmm. Then deer season comes along and there's no Man. deer to be found. You right. just don't see them. Yeah, that's true. So, so something has triggered their intuition that they have to be on high alert during this time period, right? And so, or, or just like the the new activity in the in the way people or they feel like they're being stopped because obviously animals' intuitions and all their instincts are so much more refined than humans. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. insane, but I think they I think Bigfoot lives his existence with that radar on i've always always on high alert i've always said if if a bigfoot's going to know you're within two miles of it before you even know i mean yeah you're you're never gonna the the only way you're going to surprise a bigfoot is just by the encounters where guys are just happen to be camouflaged and they're downwind and it's just right and 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 you know bigfoot doesn't realize it but for the most part i think a bigfoot's going to know you're within two to five miles of it before you even right. get that, once you get that close, you're never going to, I mean, do you think the one that you saw was the same one that was tracking you guys or following you guys? Is that what happened? I do. I do. I, um, here's another side note. So after we, after we get through this, um, all this and we're adults again and they, the BFRO does their thing and they put out their website 
and all this stuff. And you can go and you can track Bigfoot sightings mm-hmm. um, by every state. And yeah. you can buy county and all this stuff. Yeah. So we go to the BFRO site, um, and there is a quite a few uh, squatch sightings in that area in the late 90s or late 80s. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. it might have been like a somewhat of a hot spot, but there's one that a lady had spotted a Sasquatch uh, in a field at the bottom of the Anthony Lakes Hill before you uh, start heading up on the road mm-hmm. uh, that was like crossing a fence that basically had stepped over a fence and she had seen it. And this was within like months of our sighting. And we're talking overland a couple miles, maybe, you know, maybe five miles by the road, but as the crow flies, maybe just a couple miles. Yeah. I tell you what, I think... I've always said this too, and then you're never, Brian, you know, I talked about this. You can look up sightings and I do look, use the BFRO all the time, Yeah, but you, you can't really go to a place where there's been a sighting and expect to see a Bigfoot. I think, Brian, you made the comment, you think they migrate a lot or they, you yeah. know, there's migration periods, but they may not come back to the same areas all the time. Uh, maybe if they've seen enough people, maybe they decide to stay away from that area and maybe that's what happened there, but you never know. Adam, would you go back to that place? I would actually, you know, I've, uh, I've thought about doing that on several occasions, uh, going back and, uh, it would just have to be the right set of experience, you know, like just to maybe to go back if I had the right people with me that were really interested in wanting to look around and, and explore. Um, but as far as just going back, uh, as well, a I get out there, trip, if I get out there again, we are going. <laughs> okay. okay well it it would uh it would be my pleasure to take you take you guys up there but yeah it, definitely would uh, be cool i think as of the way i think of it is it, it's still a little freaky for me to think about going up there you know oh, um, yeah, I bet. you know it's uh it's that's the other thing is when i hear of people talking about their experiences there's such a definite feeling in my brain of what I saw and what it was. And it's really weird when you hear the people that are like, yeah, it was a Bigfoot. It couldn't be anything else. And those are also people that I give a lot of the credit to, you know, and it's like in my mind, like I've worked through everything and I can't think of what, what else it could be. You know, I don't, I don't believe it was a person up there hiding in the, trees waiting for us to make eye contact with it for it to move, you know, that kind of thing. I think it was something that basically the, it was like when you, um, let's say if you walk up on a rabbit and it's hiding underneath something and it lets you get so close and then it just can't take it anymore and it has to bolt. That's the way I felt like this was, but it was at, at a much farther distance. They get that feeling way before like a rabbit does. Yeah, they're not you going know, to we, walk right up on top of them unless they want you to. Right, that's not going to happen. That, that's the way that I think that's why they're so elusive. They can be so elusive. And I, the other thing is I don't think that they move a lot. You know, I don't think they take off and, and get a lot of distance. I think that they know how to circle back. Um, and mm-hmm. they do a lot of moving around you. And it's kind of ships in the night. You go this way and they go that way. Mm-hmm. And when you're moving one way, they're moving the opposite way. And I think they're masters of that. And that's how they have remained so elusive. Yeah. Uh, you had, so when you saw this thing before that, you didn't really believe or not, not really know. Um, but can you say after you guys saw it and after you had that encounter, you definitely believed that Bigfoot existed? Yes. Hundred percent. I went. I, I, uh, I absolutely got immersed in it for probably a decade, where I was looking up every book I could get, and um, I took all the anthropology classes I could take in college. I absolutely was. Uh, I wouldn't say obsessed to that point, but I mean, uh, it was my number one research item you know if i was going to look up something uh oh man 
the first few years of the internet, I tore the internet up <laughs> with that kind of stuff. You know, I'm talking about nice. the old dial up days. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Oh, just looking for any Search kind history, of little things. Bigfoot, and, Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just like, um, everything just it, looking up. I, I've, I've looked up a bunch of the hoax. I mean, all the different hoaxes have been gone and I'm a road tripper. I love to drive. I've been down and uh, checked out the, you know, the Sasquatch uh, carvings mm -hmm. down in California. Mm -hmm. And of course, all the different, any of these places oh, that have man. like exhibits. Um, and, and I just, I have to, I have to believe it just seems, it, it just seems like there's too many things for it not to exist. I mean, right. anything's, I mean, as much as there's people that I'm sure that are so far against it is they, they don't believe as much as I do believe. So, but hmm. I, I am a, go ahead. Let me ask you this. Talk about how it affected you after you saw it. Um, you know, I know you still mushroom hunt to this day and talk about, you know, do you, would you want to see one again or, or, you know, is that, you said you got really full and flamed into it and stuff. So would you want to see one again? And how did it affect you? Um, you know, after you did see it, did it, did you hide out in your bedroom for, for months on end or were you like, you know, Hey, I want no, to go see another um, one. Or what? But <laughs> I will tell you for a few years up at elk and deer camp, uh, if my dad was going to go take a pee, I was about five feet behind him. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I wasn't, he I was wasn't just, getting far away. I was just going to um, ask you if that ever was in the back of your head while you were out in the woods. Oh, yeah. And then um, we go mushroom hunting now quite a bit. And uh, I'm always, you know, on high alert. Uh, I don't – my wife doesn't believe in, in weapons, which is which is fine. But I grew up in a gun house, you know. I mean, that's – my dad bought and sold guns and we always had guns around, but I'm okay with not having a gun. So, um, when I'm in the woods, I usually just have, uh, my knife on my hip. And a lot of the times, uh, I carry an ax, uh, just because, uh, I love throwing axes. That's one of my favorite things to do. So, uh, yes. when right. she's looking for mushrooms, I'm throwing ax a lot, right. but, um, but I am always, really aware of everything. Uh, it drives her nuts because I look in the trees and, and stuff like that. And she's, she doesn't want me to look up, be, but I'm like, Hey, this is, this is where the cougars are resting while we're walking around. So mm -hmm. right. I'm not just looking straight ahead. I also look up cause where we mushroom hunt is a total cougar den. Uh, we're always finding fresh kills oh, in there and nice. stuff, but there's tons of mushrooms, you know? And so I'm like, it's <laughs> yeah, totally well fertilized. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, I've always had like this crazy, like dream of having some hand to hand combat, like me and my pocket knife versus a cougar. I think it would make a pretty sweet story, but, <laughs> um, like two years ago on our first mushroom hunt, we were walking through and, my wife's like, you need to get me bear spray. And I was like, you don't need bear spray. And she's like, why? I was like, cause bears want nothing to do with you. These, the bears around here, they smell you coming and they're gone. Right. And you know how the universe likes when you say stuff to your wife and then it likes to just kick you in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. <with> right. yep. <laughs> so I say this with confidence. Like I know what I'm talking about she literally walks over this tree that's maybe like two foot diameter. It's not that big of a tree. And I'm going around the tree cause I didn't want to step over it. And she jumps a freaking bear cub oh, and no. it comes oh. out of this hole and takes off. Oh no. So she's freaking out. But then I'm also trying to get her reeled in because we're talking early spring. So I'm like, Hey, there's probably a mama here and that's when you get in trouble with bears mm -hmm. is when you get between them and their cubs. So I was like, Hey, now we got to try to figure out how to get out of this. And of course we're in the cougar death den. So I was like, all right, this is, uh, we got to figure out a way out of here where we're not crossing the path of where that bear 
was headed because he was probably heading back to his mama. So we ended up back out of there and, uh, and we've, we go back, we go back quite a bit later in the season now, not as early, mm-hmm. but um, there's, there's bear scat in that area. Uh, every time we go in massive amounts of it. So, uh, so I did buy her the bear spray the next year. Yeah. No. So, so you're not afraid to yeah. go, but I don't think you're afraid to go back in the woods for any reason. And, and it doesn't sound like you, you're worried about seeing another Bigfoot. But do you think you'd like to see one again? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I would. I mean, and uh, you know, and the thing is, is I've I've thought about that a thousand times. Like I don't know if you guys have talked about it on this show or not, but um, I, I don't hunt anymore. But the the old debate, like, have you guys talked about it? Like. If you're out hunting and you eyeball one, what do you do? Do, yeah, you, do you shoot it or yeah? Get off in your head, say, right. I knew it. It exists. Or do you take the shot so the rest of the world can check it off their list? Mm-hmm. Right. I've always said, I don't need, I don't need to know. I don't need the government or, or 100% proof because for, for one, I don't think that there's ever going to, I think the government covers it up. For one, I think there's a big government cover up here. I don't think we're ever going to know. Um, but um, I just want to see one for myself and then I can say, you know what, I don't care what people say or don't, I don't say. Think, I know they exist. I think the only way I would take that shot is if my life was in danger. Otherwise, I would, I would right. just let it go. Yeah. Now, would I love so to be the are, guy that brings home a Bigfoot head and proves to the world that Bigfoot exists? Oh. Hell yeah, I would. But I don't think that's ever yeah. going to happen. I don't. I think... I think the government or some agency would step in before. Now you'd have to be pretty sne- damn sneaky about it. You'd have to be good at doing what you're doing. Uh, even <laughs> you would have to like get Jacques, like Jacques Lefeur. I don't even know if you so. killed a Bigfoot. If you'd be able to, to even remove a, a, a finger, let alone uh, its head, uh, before yeah, you'd have to be able to. The other ones would jump in and body parts. The other ones would jump huh? in. His buddies would jump in and take care of you, probably. So. Um, there's well, probably maybe. always. I always say there's always more than one, but you never know. I don't know. I, I feel like they have to be fairly uh, solo. Like you, you just, we do get in a situation in a lot of these areas, especially in the Pacific Northwest and all these areas that are so barren, you would be, there's too many wide open spaces where a group couldn't like go around the whole outside of a meadow or something like that. I feel like um, it's one of these situations like these um, like sand cats that are in like Egypt and stuff and they'll go years without seeing one of these cats. Mm-hmm. And, um, the cats only breed like once in their life because they might not see another sand cat ever, but there's not enough food in a, in a one certain area to s- sustain more than one. Mm-hmm. So they have to travel. Um, since we're talking Egypt, they got to travel a bunch of kilometers before they even, uh, come in contact with another one to breed with. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was thinking is that these things probably have breeding cycles and they don't that's, even come together yeah. or like, it's almost like a, um, like a spawning intuition and they go to a place and meet that they don't even know why they're going there. Mm-hmm. They're just following the pheromones to this one place so they can breed. Yeah. That's, that's a good analogy. I never thought about that. So what do you think like uh, right now, my my theory is that the hot spot, if someone's going to get a Bigfoot, like right now, if someone's going to pitch get photograph, uh, photographs of a Bigfoot or if they're going to get scientific proof they exist, I'm saying Eastern Russia is the, is the place, is the last real wild where you could maybe still get one that has been in a remote area so long that they might not have the hide and go seek gene that um, the American Bigfoots have gotten from us, like basically littering the world with uh, our footprint. That's interesting. You, have, you say uh, that. Do you have Amazon? Do you have Amazon video? Amazon prime? I do. Did you see that new? 
documentary? Uh, Bigfoot Among Wild Men, Adam. If yep. you haven't watched that, watch that one. No, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, yeah, watch that one. It's got Meldrum, Jeff Meldrum on it, and it's some really good. Yeah, you got really, really good footage of yeah. Eastern Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Brian, you just talked yeah. about that the other day. You're just like, we need to go to Russia. We need to go to Russia. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What Jeff do you- Meldrum's a, a pretty, a pretty uh, decent guy, and you know, he's one of the guys that I really uh, respect on the fact that he's just like, hey, I'm, I'm just all in with it. You know, this is, this is what I believe. You can call me crazy if you want, but I've done the research, and I, I think this is something that's real. And yeah. he's not you know, he doesn't apologize for it. And I, uh, I really like those ones, the people yeah, that is, have a, yeah. a scientific mind smart, and they're unapologetic. Yeah. 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 He is super smart too. Yeah. He's respectable for sure. Yeah. You got to respect yeah. that guy's thing. Oh, um, for sure. Adam, I've talked to, to Brian and we've done a couple episodes about what we think Bigfoot is, or we don't know what Bigfoot is. We haven't gotten that point. We definitely want to bring you back on the show a couple more times and talk about more in depth about this, but do you think Bigfoot is just a raw blood and flesh and bone creature, or do you think there's more to it than that? <laughs> okay. Um, like, uh, are you talking about, like, do I think that it moves uh, through the fairy realm? or Sure. Uh, do you think we, it's alien? You know, interdimensional, um, do you think alien. It's man-made? Interdimensional. Do you think it's man-made yeah. or government-made? Well, do you think it's been around before man? What do you, what do you I, think um, the background of this thing is? I think... Uh, it's, I think it's flesh and bone. I, I do. I think it's flesh and bone. And I think that is, it is so highly elusive. And, um, it's been more and more elusive as we've gotten more, uh, intrusive into their area. Mm-hmm. I believe that the Native Americans and even down into, uh, Central America, I think they had a more working relationship with them. If you, I mean, there's no reason that you can find a Bigfoot on a totem pole in Alaska and you can find the exact face carved in the side of a temple in, you know, central Peru. Mm-hmm. Right. It, right. I mean, it just blows my mind that that is out there. And I'm, and when I say this, I'm not talking like similar, I'm talking identical. You know, and the more and more you look at, you're like, okay, hold on. This tribe has a creature that's identical to it in this tribe. And then if you go to Russia, they have these, that looks like this. And, and you're like, these, these people would have never interacted. It's physically impossible for this. Even if it was a folktale, there's no way that the people from Peru are sharing the folktales with like the Iroquois, right. you know, in especially Michigan a thousand years and, ago. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's not like they had planes or time travel to go, hey, guess what? Right. Unless they did and then oh, everything just got wiped clean now we're and we deep. hit the reset button. But that's another that's episode. A whole different thing. Yeah, that's a whole, that's whole episode. Yeah. We'll, get you, we'll get you on and talk about that sometime too. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's a whole other episode yeah. there. So yeah. do you think these things have been around before humans? Uh, or simultaneously, I think, uh, after I've looked at a lot of the bone structure of the Neanderthals, uh, or Neanderthal, I guess it depends on like when you went to school on how you say it now, but, uh, yeah, but I think we're looking at a cast off of, uh, some sort of like not homo sapien, obviously that's way too new, but I think evolution took a side trip kind of like it did with the Neanderthals. Um, and it went off into a wilder type beast and went back toward, um, the gorilla type ape side of things. Um, do you guys know who Robert Audrey is? No. Mm-mm. Okay. He is a guy that basically said that, uh, humans didn't come from chimpanzee type, um, in the progression that were a lot closer to coming from like mountain gorillas. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, we have, we eat meat and we're more aggressive and all these different things. And a lot of our traits uh, are more linked to being a gorilla than to a chimpanzee. Um, so somewhere along the line, evolution took a side turn and ended up with this one-off creature 
that is highly intelligent yet highly elusive. And I believe that's what we've gotten to. They've adapted to um, any, so many different kinds of terrains and um, they're still, they're big brained. Um, That's one thing that I think everybody can agree with this. Even if it's a, you know, like a gigantopithecus, um, the thing had a giant brain, so it can problem solve. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I, I think we're up against is uh, a super intelligent primate, and it's very uh, mobile, agile, and not as big as people think. I think that's what we're going to find out. If this ever gets proved, I think people, the people who have had encounters with them, it gets blown up out of proportion because they're they're freaked out. So the the story gets bigger and the creature gets bigger as they go. I have a feeling that they're not much bigger than actual people. Or maybe they're just over time are getting smaller in general. That could be true, maybe. Yeah. You know, as they, so as they I, evolve. I maybe they don't need to be as big as they actually are. Maybe as they evolve, they don't need to be eight well, or It makes sense for them to have the big wide footprint because they're dense. And with the density, they have the extra weight. And then um, the fact that, I mean, right now, there's the least amount of snow on the planet that we've ever seen. But when they were being, when evolution was, most of the planet was snow. So they would need them almost like snowshoes to get in between areas. You know, it might be miles of snow travel. So they evolved with these gigantic snowshoe feet. Uh, to spread out their weight because they're dense. But I don't think the size of the feet is relative to how tall they are. Okay. Gotcha. That's Yeah, that's probably true too. I mean, who knows? I don't have one. I'm not, I, I mean, how many times do you think somebody's killed one? Do you think, do you think people have killed these things? Yes, I do. I think, I think, I think uh, in the early, I, I want to say I'd have to go back and look at some of the stories, but when they they caught one, they were pretty sure that they caught one. And I want to say back in like maybe the 1910s, 19, early 20s, they thought they'd caught one and then it disappeared. But I think this was one of those situations where they caught it, somebody took it out and killed it, and um, for whatever reason, either um, – they thought that it was going to uh, attack them. They were afraid of it, or they thought that it was going to stop expansion, or it was going to, who knows? I mean, right. back then, it, it's funny because now it's not that uncommon for people to um, just think everything is a lie from the government and the media. They don't even bat an eye that, that we're being lied to. Right. But back then, Everybody took everything as uh, truth. If it was in the newspaper, it was an absolute truth. If it came out of your granddaddy's mouth, it was an absolute truth. Right. So um, who knows? They could have they could have done anything, and they could have said for whatever reason, and everybody would have absolutely bought bought into it. Well, that kind of leads me That's into true. into my last question, and we can get this wrapped up here, guys. But why do you think? that we haven't proven the Bigfoot existence. What's the main reason, Adam? Uh, I think uh, the main thing is going to have to be, um, unfortunately, I don't want to sound like everybody else on one of those shows, but uh, I think that ritualistically, however they do it, however they dispose of their dead, um, is how uh, we don't either... They're, I, I can't even think of maybe even like if their bones are are very uh, flavorful to like porcupines or something like that. Uh, you know, bear, bear skeletons are very hard to find in the wild. Right. Uh, it just that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, you just don't find a bear find skeleton. A, find a mountain lion carcass. Find a mountain lion skeleton in the wild. Right. You know, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. so. So what what makes those creatures, which I mean, uh, mountain lions are are insanely uh, difficult to see in the wild. I mean, I have 
uh, all the hours I've spent in the woods and I've seen one in the wild, in the actual wild. And I've had one run across the road when I was driving and that was it. That is it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and I live in the heart of it. I mm-hmm. mean, there's, right. I, there's people, there's people just blocks from me that have had them on their, um, ring camera that have been in their yard. And, <laughs> Crazy. But, but nobody sees the thing. They're just looking back at their footage the next morning and go, Oh crap. There was a cougar in our front yard. That's scary. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so awesome. until they figure that until we can figure out how that we can get any sort of like evidence or anything. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know how they're so elusive. Um, it's, Mm. I mean, that, it's part of the mystery. I mean, I I have no more insight on that than I don't think anybody. But um, yeah, right, I guess if we I guess I, if we knew tomorrow that Bigfoot was real, then within a year or two years, it wouldn't be a big deal anymore, right? Oh yeah, I saw one. Yeah, oh yeah, I saw one too. Yeah, they got one on display now. It's like yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah, soon yeah. they would. Pretty soon we would name them. <laughs> right. hey, you know, it even, you know, I, you know, it it might yeah. be that kind of thing. It's like, uh, so. You let's say you buy a a silver Jetta, and you feel like you like you really like this car, and it's something special to you. Then all of a sudden, you start driving around town, and you start realizing how many other silver Jettas there are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so once people open up their minds to it, yeah. and they're like, "This is what it looks like, and this is what I should look for," mm-hmm. then yeah. who knows? Right. Just like mushroom hunting, you know, when you're out looking for a morel. Until you pick the first one and get your eyes trained to see them, they're impossible to find. And then all of a sudden, once you find the first one and you click that in your brain, you're like, oh, there's one over there and there's one over there. And then, oh, crap, I'm standing on one right here. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. Sometimes the obvious is right in front of you and you don't even know, right? Yeah. Well, we we live everything with blinders on. I mean, you, you know how that yeah, works. I mean, we everybody has their own blindness for whatever reason or anything. One of the things that I'm working on right now, in fact, and I worked on it this weekend on this trip to Montana, was uh, I don't need a photograph from my phone to catalog everything I do over a trip. I'm I'm like, nobody really cares. Like, if I come up and show you this picture of a moose, you're like, oh, cool, it's a moose, but that could – that could be any picture on the internet in the world and you wouldn't care at all. I mean, just the fact that I saw it with my eyes doesn't change anything for you. So why not put the phone down and absorb more of it with your own eyes? Yeah. So you, so the memory is better for you. Yeah. Now, if you're going to have a Bigfoot picture, I'm all, I'm all about that. I'll be just as interested as I can be. Trust me. Yeah. Make sure you have a camera. Yeah. Another one of those. (laughs) I'd have him take the picture of me. And I'd be like, no, dude. I'm like, no, it, it was cool. I was like, Bigfoot used my phone. <laughs> to take a picture of me. <laughs> to so, take a picture yeah, of me. It'd, it'd be like Chunk in Goonies. Yeah. When he's like, yeah. yeah, like the time Michael Jackson used your bathroom. Like, <laughs> it wasn't Michael Jackson. It was his sister. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good movie. Well, man, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, thanks for having me. This was fun. No, we got to get you back on yeah. and talk oh, more yeah, about we'll do this it for, again, sure. for sure. Yeah, talk about some theories and maybe we can come up with some more ideas and get to the bottom of this. But but we'd like to hear your input some more for sure. So we would really appreciate you coming on and telling your story, man. You could be our you could be our man out out west. Yeah, definitely. Out west, <laughs> I, hey, I can't. When you guys come out west, I can't. I can't wait to to take you guys out. It'll be fun. Oh, we're definitely yeah, no, doing I'm that for sure. Heck yeah. Yeah. Right on. Brian, you got anything else for Adam before we cut him out of here? Uh, nope. All right, man. Uh, just thanks for thanks for sharing. That Definitely. was amazing. Definitely. All right. We'll get this. Yeah. Take care, you guys. All right, Adam. Take yeah, care. You too. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? 
Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.